1: Welcome to the Dial of Inbound. I'm Ian Garlic, CEO of Authentic Web, and today I have a mind-blowing guest. You know, I always have great guests, and a lot of times we talk tactics, but this one's going to be a high-level conversation, so be prepared. Um, my guest has been very successful at many things. Graduated from Columbia at 21, started his own company, uh, went to work for Ducati, Left there, started his own marketing agency, which was super successful. Um, And then in two thousand nine, realized that you know things weren't going right, and was well. He went into a twelve step program, and has recovered from addiction, and now is a phenomenal consultant, coach, speaker, super high level coach and speaker. Uh, Just got done with a year of travel with, uh, a little guy named Tony Robbins. And my guest today is not a little guy in any shape of the form. I'm almost six, seven, and he's taller than me. Uh, <laughs> David bear. Thanks for being on the show.
0: I am. Thank you. Thank you for the intro. I appreciate that. It's an honor to be here with you and I absolutely love your podcast. So thank you. Awesome.
1: So David, you know, um, I spent a few days with David recently and you know, he's so many great stories. Um, But tell me a little bit, you know, you were successful and people look at success. And I think a lot of people look at success as a bottom line or, you know, a top line success. Money, cars, et cetera. So you're successful. You got a successful business you found yourself. Um What happened that you gave that up or you changed that?
0: Well, I think... You know, even though I had been a successful entrepreneur, internet entrepreneur since I was 20 years old and I had built up multiple businesses and, you know, eventually we created the online chamber of commerce. I'm still CEO of chamberofcommerce.com. Uh, throughout the course of that, um, I really still never felt good enough. I never felt like I was doing enough. I was always comparing myself to other people. <clears throat> and, you know, every once in a while I would open up and share what I was feeling with people around me. Because I felt a little bit crazy. Because I could look at my life and say, you know, it looks good. You know, I mean, I have business success. I have money. I have friends. And I would share with people and they'd reinforce the fact that I was crazy. They'd say, you know, you're nuts. Your life is so good. But it didn't feel good. And what I didn't realize was, you know, I had brought into my life all these programs, uh, like we all do, from early on in my life. Whether it was, you know, my parents' own limitations or my peers or society. Uh, and I was trying to fill a hole and, uh, I didn't notice it, but, you know, over the course of about 20 years, you know, slowly but surely I started drinking more. I started smoking a lot of pot. Um, I started getting into, um, using sex, uh, to kind of fill that hole. And in, I guess it was in 2006, Um, I had a wake up call, you know, one night I went out, I had blacked out. It was the first time it ever happened to me. And I just really got clear that my life had become unmanageable. And so that was the beginning of this next chapter of my life, which was, you know, a journey into self-discovery. I remember going into a, an addiction therapist's office and I was sitting across from Dr. Dan, And Dan was one of those guys who kind of, he was like a thinner version of Santa Claus, but he had those really kind eyes and, you know, he could just, you knew that he was looking into you. He'd asked me questions and I knew he already knew the answer. It was just for me to hear myself say it. And so we were talking about my experience and, you know, he said to me, listen, David, if if you want this to be, it can be the greatest opportunity of your life. And recovery really was. I started working a 12-step program and for people who don't understand what the 12 steps are they're considered a spiritual based program so i was by no means religious at that time i had no back you know background in spirituality but i started really connecting with myself and connecting with what in recovery we call a power greater than ourselves and um i started asking better questions of my life i started asking how did i get here who am i uh, how does this all work and as you know i questions are very powerful so as I started asking better questions, I started getting better answers. And one by one, I was guided down this path. I shared with you a story of how I was at the airport uh, a couple of weeks after I got in a 12-step recovery, and this book caught my attention on the shelf. And I went and grabbed it, and it was this book called Awakening the Buddha Within. And so I started studying a new framework. Now it was Buddhism. And uh, it, it was incredible to me because I looked around at everyone around me, and pretty much everybody was either suffering or stuck. And very few people would talk about it. But you know, either people were stuck in their relationships, um, or they weren't in a relationship, they had been stuck being single for such a long time, or they were stuck at a particular level of their finances, or they were working a job that, you know, maybe was a good job, but it wasn't something they were passionate about. The human condition was stuck. And so if Buddhism talked about, listen, you know, there's suffering in the world and uh it's going to happen to you, but there's a way out of it, and then they have their eight steps. It's called the Eightfold Path of Virtue. So it was just this incredible journey. It gave me even more questions. And two weeks later, I'm walking through Barnes and Noble. And I kid you not, I'm walking between the spirituality and the personal development shelves, which were two shelves I've never been at <laughs> before. And I look down, there's a book on the ground and it's a little book called Think and Grow Rich. And so, you know, here Napoleon Hill has his 13 principles, not just for living life and not suffering, but for success. So over the last 10 years, you know, my new addiction was studying everything I could get my hands on in personal development and behavioral psychology and neuroscience. And then I got into metaphysics and law of attraction and quantum physics. And I saw that all of these teachings were pointing to a new reality, which was like Buddha said, you know, what you think you become. And that's become my new passion. And it's, it's, I help people today who, you know, successful CEOs, entrepreneurs, professionals, professional athletes who want to take their life to the next level, but ultimately the reason why they're not at the next level already is because they're stuck on something.
1: Oh, you know, and and I know if, you know, just if someone's listening to this and they want to start getting unstuck, they can go to your website, davidbear.com. There's a ton of resources, a ton of downloads on finding your purpose, fulfilling your purpose, getting unstuck. That's com. Um But, you know, when someone, do you think a lot of people don't realize they're stuck or kind of realize they're stuck and that's what's preventing their business from growing? Maybe they feel like they're in the right business, but they're somehow stuck um, and just don't know it.
0: Well, yeah, I think you have, you know, it's a whole spectrum, right? We're at a really interesting time where, you know, human beings are starting to become more self-aware. So, you know, there are a lot of people out there that realize they're stuck, and they know what's keeping them stuck, but they don't know what to do about it. And then there are people out there who feel stuck, and uh, they don't know what's keeping them stuck. And then there are people who are just completely unconscious, and they're stuck, but they're just checking out of life like I was by consuming reality television or the media or drugs or alcohol or sex or food or work or whatever it is. And you know we live in this incredible system, which will you know take you down to your knees until <laughs> until you wake up and realize you know the problem is inside of you, and and stuck. You know, I, part of what I enjoy doing is I enjoy looking at these concepts at a microscopic level, because I find that it's it's when you get down into the subatomic level of these concepts that you can really start to affect change. You can start to develop tools and techniques and practices as you understand how it works. So, you know, this idea of stuck, the feeling of stuck that people have, and a lot of people don't know, they might call it anxiety, they might call it overwhelm. they might call it frustration, they might have habitual anger, they might have depression, right? All of this is an emotional response to an internal dialogue that's taking place that they're simply not aware of, right? It's, it's that little whisper, which is their authentic self, which is really that uh, guiding voice towards their destiny, that's saying, we're ready for the next thing, right? We've been doing vice president of sales for the last 15 years, but really we want to open up a yoga studio. Or we've been alone for the last 10 years, but we need to look within to see how we're responsible for the fact that we're alone. So it's guiding us in a particular direction, but then there's this louder voice, right, which is the ego, and it's afraid. And it's saying, no, there's not enough time for this. You know, We're not good enough to do this on our own. Uh, This will never work out for us. It's too risky. And so that dialogue of that louder voice just hammering down on, on on the whisper is what that feeling of stuck is. And so the first step is we have to become aware that this dialogue is taking place because we're not participating in it. And so we're we're being completely driven by that voice in the head or our programs or our limiting beliefs or our stories, and we're walking around like automatons. It's like that movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, right? It's mm-hmm. like we're living the same patterns over and over and over. I mean, I remember when I was in the depth of my stuck i would It was the same routine every morning. I would wake up in the morning keep in mind this was a business I created. It was a dream that I had at one point in time, but it, it it was it was it was created at a different point in my life, and frankly, it was probably an inauthentic dream. It was driven by significance, it was driven by making money it was driven by success, and that only fulfills you so long and I would wake up every morning. I'd just hit that snooze three or four times. I'd look over at my phone. I would dread the fact that there were all these emails that I needed to respond to. I was waiting for the next fire to start up at work. And I'd drive to work every day, and I'd stop by the same Starbucks. And I remember standing in line at Starbucks one day thinking, I don't even want a coffee. Right? Like, I didn't even, I, but I was so stuck in my routine that it was almost like there was this force field or this tractor beam around me. And I had I dug the grooves of the record so deep that it was almost impossible for me to create change. And frankly, that's why my addiction was the greatest blessing in my life, because it was either change or die. So it forced me out of my groove, and I had to start creating new grooves. I mean, literally, right? I mean, in addiction recovery, you're creating new grooves in your brain. And that's what was so fascinating for me, is that not only was I studying all these spiritual teachings and psychological teachings and getting into neuroscience, but I was actually experimenting on myself as I was progressing through recovery. Wow. Um, you,
1: you said a lot there, (laughs) a lot of um, (laughs) amazing things about getting unstuck, but you know, I, you know, I think even if someone knows they're unstuck, what's, or they're no, they know they're stuck. What's the feeling like, what was the feeling like once you got unstuck, once, once you got to that other side and you're like, Oh, this is what it's like. What did that feel like to you?
0: So I I think there, there, there are feelings and there are concepts, right? So when, when you're, when you're on, when you're on the wrong side of that fence, you know, it's as I mentioned before, it's anxiety, it's overwhelm, it's frustration, it's depression, and along with it comes this question, which I think we ask ourselves, which is, is this it? Like, is this it? Mm -hmm. Things are good, but is this really all? I had a dream for my life. Am I? I guess maybe I'm just supposed to settle. And then when you get on the other side of it, it's, it's excitement, it's curiosity, it's creativity. You wake up every day, especially when you start to understand what, you know, you and I have spoken about before, which is the mind is everything and, and your thoughts create your reality and that by doing the internal work, you literally set yourself up for your external circumstances. You, you're a miracle maker, as Marianne Williamson talks about. And then life is just, it's liberation, it's possibility. And it doesn't mean that like, you know, the, the proverbial shit doesn't hit the fan every once in a while. But it's, it's like life throws you a curveball and you use it to improve your game. You say, okay, great. If I'm responsible for everything in my life, how did I create this? And you continue to do the work around it. And the more you clear out, the more you clear out of your old patterns and your past, there's a lightness that just happens. I mean, I, I literally wake up every day and I have a journal where I write down my decisions and my intentions. I decide what's going to happen today. And I'm always amazed. Like last week I wrote down someone's going to call me and just hand me money. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. someone called me and handed me money. I mean, it's, it's, so it's so mind blowing that you just, you live in the magic of life. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, we, and, and you know that you experienced that, right? I mean, I, it's like you, you're so creative and you watch as your creation comes into reality. Oh, completely, completely. And
1: uh, it, and someone doesn't understand, hasn't felt it, uh, can't
0: understand it. But like here's, here's what happens, which is interesting. So when, when I have conversations with people, even if they don't quite understand it, they say, you're so inspiring. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I say to them, well, I, I, I'm, what's happening is you're getting inspired. In other words, you're getting in the state of spirit. Your spirit is becoming activated because there's this part of you that understands this conversation and knows it is the truth follow that inspiration right like investigate further explore what it means learn more about this because it's resonating with you right it's not it's not something magical about me it's that it connects with that 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 deeper intelligence within you raymond charles barker who was part of the new thought movement in science of mind has this great quote he says human beings have such an extraordinary ability to introduce unintelligence into a supremely intelligent system Right. And then that's what we <laughs> do. You know, we, we, we bring in fear. We bring in worry. We bring in anxiety. We bring in stuck, which doesn't even exist. You know, it's not like we walk around and you see a squirrel, like worried about the fact that it's, you know, whether or not it's going to find a nut, right? It's like life just takes care of everything. But, but we introduce this unintelligence, which is, uh, which is this feeling of stuck. Wow.
1: And, you know, when it comes to, uh, getting past that, because, you know, you had, obviously you had a life moment where it, there was a definitive time where you're like, this is it, and I, ha- I have to get past this. And and it shifted your life because you went 12-step, recovery, switched your, your business framework, uh, switched your life around. But what about the people that, you know, just don't have something like that? They don't see something like that that they can change. What are some of the steps that they could take to, to get unstuck?
0: Uh, in so, a little way. Yeah. So, um, you know, I talk to a lot of people who say, listen, Dave, I, you know, again, I'm inspired by what you say. I see how that could apply to my life, but you don't get it, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't enjoy what I'm doing anymore, but I have to do it. I have to pay the bills. I have kids at home. I, I you know, it's not practical for me to actually just go and do what I want to do. Or someone who says, yeah, I I get it. You're saying that I could, you know, attract Mr. and Mrs. Wright, but I've got so many experiences that show me otherwise and I'm overweight and I don't feel good about myself and nobody's ever going to love me. You know, Dave, you just don't understand my situation. So, um, what I, what I'm asking those people to do is actually just, uh, be conscious of the decision that they've made. So the first thing is be aware, like we talked about, of that internal dialogue. What is it you really believe about this area of your life where you're stuck? And by the way, people will say, well, how do I know where I'm stuck? And I say, well, wherever you don't feel good. Like in any area of your life where you don't feel good, you're stuck. And so if, if you scan your life and you look at your finances and your health and your relationships and your passion, your purpose and your career, and you find an area you don't like, there's something going on there in that dialogue, which is like a limiting belief. You know, money's hard to make or there's no good men or women out there and it doesn't feel good. So. You know, be aware of that. And when you believe something long enough, it becomes a decision. You've decided money's hard to make. You've decided that you, it's too risky for you to go and do this thing you're passionate about, or you don't have the skills necessary to do it, or there's no good men or women out there. You've made a decision. So we need to be conscious of the decisions that we've made. And then all I'm asking people to do is make a different decision. Not actually do anything. Just be committed to a new decision. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I know that I'm going to meet an incredible person who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I know that I'm going to make a living out of being a chef, not answering phones, because that's what I'm passionate about. The decision is what opens you up to access the guidance, the ideas, the coincidence, the people, the circumstances, the resources. Right. So the moment you actually make a decision, and people are afraid to make the decision because they think they have to figure out the how part. And that's the big mistake. When you make a decision, life starts to conform to your decision. But if you've decided counter to what you want, you of course, you don't have access to any of those ideas. You don't have access to the methods by which you could actually achieve it. I didn't know how I was going to go from CEO of DataBank, which was my online marketing company, and CEO of ChamberOfCommerce.com, which, by the way, I still am for both, to a coach, speaker, trainer, healer. It made no sense to me whatsoever. But I made a decision that I was going to do it. After that, the ideas came to me. Opportunities came to me. People would say things to me that would give me just the answer I needed at the right time. Both of my businesses grew by a hundred percent. They doubled in a year that gave me the cash flow I needed to go out and build this new business because I made the decision. Oh, yeah.
1: And, and, you know, it, it's interesting because that's been a common theme. You know, there's a lot of common themes when I talk to successful entrepreneurs, when I talk to successful, uh, marketers, and about their marketing, we keep coming back to this mindset and also the, the importance of making a decision and in truly making a decision. Um, you know, when it comes... And I'm going to bring it back to marketing because I'm supposed to be talking about marketing, but I'm enjoying what you're talking about. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, you know, it, but really marketing as a mindset, but also the fact that any part of your life that you want to change is marketing. Like when you talk about finding that's... That new loved one, finding that new significant other, changing your job—it's really about marketing and and making that decision. Um, so, you know, why do why do you think how do you think people can get that attitude that you know it is about marketing? It's not just making the decision, but it's also putting this out in the universe and making that marketing decision.
0: Yeah, so I think there's, I mean, it's a great it's a great point and it's a great metaphor for life is 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 the is the marketing of whatever it is that we're talking about so once you make a decision right you're going to start you're you're basically telling your brain go out and fetch answers that are in alignment with this decision so you start having ideas and then you take some action you got to do you know a couple of the things that come to mind right um the i think the intention around the act Of doing it is very important. Because if you look at marketing that works today, it's creating value for people. It's being in the service of your prospective customers. And it's creating as much value as possible, in fact, more value than anyone else in your industry, and then giving people an opportunity to go deeper into the work or or buy your product or service. So, you know, as we start to look at making these shifts in our life, the question is, how do we serve? How do we contribute? How do we serve? How do we create value for other people? I mean, if if you want to uh, uh, attract an extraordinary relationship into your life, you—it's not really all about you, right? No. It's about—it's about who you are and what value you're going to provide the prospective people who come across, you know, your Tinder. Uh, <laughs> right? so it's like you know, so and I and I think we get lost in that, and again, it's part—it's part of this. Um, it's part of the fact that the brain is so focused on surviving rather than thriving, is that you know we. We mistakenly believe we're living in this scarcity environment and we become very self-centric. But if you can really get out there and you can become, and that's what vulnerability is, you can become vulnerable and you can give and you can serve and you can be open and you can be authentic and you can be honest, that's the best marketing that there is. I mean, people today are so much more in tune to what's real and what's not. If you're inauthentic in the way that you're marketing yourself, people are going to sniff it from a mile away. And it's the same way in, in in creating your life. You know, if if you're driven by significance and success versus you know contribution and growth, it's going to be very hard to get people to rally behind whatever cause you stand for. Exactly,
1: exactly. And and I I do think people are scared to own up to that authenticity. I think they know it inside themselves, but I've seen it a lot. And and you know they're scared to say this is what I stand for because there will be people that don't like me.
0: But yeah, and we live in we live in a law of numbers that's inappropriate. In other words, a couple of times in our lives, something you know has happened to us that didn't feel good when we were vulnerable, and we've now created a rule that vulnerability means some sort of punishment or 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 a bad outcome, you know. But and that's what the brain does, right? It, it, it's but if we really look at the numbers, it's like okay, maybe three, four, or five times in your life, you know, you were you were open and authentic and vulnerable, and and you didn't get the response that you expected. But you've got so much evidence otherwise. But we live according to to the, these uh, th- this law of numbers that's that doesn't make any sense.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I, you're a perfect example of it too, because, you know, you know a lot of people would be like, I'm never going to put on my about us page, my story that I went in a 12 step program. That's ridiculous. No one will ever hire me. <laughs> but I mean, you own it in such a way that's magnificent and it's fantastic. And it's, and, you know, and honestly, at that point, really, if you say that and someone doesn't want to work with you because of that, you probably just don't even want to be around them either.
0: No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of my story, right? So I've embraced it and it is what it is.
1: Well, it's, it's great. It's yeah, a great, it's you. a great, well, it's a great example to people too of embracing their story and, and telling it, and telling it to the world and how it helps others because you've been there. You've been stuck. You've been through pretty much everything. <laughs> you know, you've been through a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I appreciate that. And especially looking at your successes and, and how you help other people. Now, let's talk a little bit about, now, if someone just on the outside saw some of this stuff, they might be like, oh, it's spiritual, oh, it's new agey, oh, it's too meta for me. But you've helped a lot of people that are pretty high up and pretty successful become more successful. Um, do they come to you thinking that, oh, this is going to be spiritual, or do they discover it?
0: well they they yeah they stumble into it throughout the course of working together because ultimately they come to me because they're stuck right and 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 when you're stuck it's because there's that there's that part of your mind that's operating which is telling you stories and telling you limiting beliefs and 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 as they begin to shift out of that they become aware of the internal dialogue they start to access a whole new level of of, of control and power you know in their life and p- part of my journey was I remember when I started studying spirituality, I got into Hinduism, Christianity, Buddhism, Taoism, and then I started looking at this sort of what I call them, the modern hippie movement, right? And it was great teachers. It was, you know, Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle and Abraham Hicks and, I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal teachers. But I I always looked at that and I said, well, it sounds good when you say it fast, but how does it work? And at about the same time, I started getting into neuroscience and quantum physics and I saw that, you know, while science wasn't explaining it as, uh, in, in the same way that uh, spiritual teachers were talking about it. There was, a, there was a bridge. So I've made tremendous efforts in my work as I work with people to ground them in the, in, in the science of spirituality. And so we normally start on the psychology and the scientific side, but then eventually I say, by the way, you know, if you go read any of these great spiritual texts, this is exactly what they were talking about. And when you combine both, you know, that's when you really have the opportunity to reclaim this power that's inside of you that, you know, I mean, we are creators made in the image of the great creator, right? But we just, we don't live that way. We, we wake up living paycheck to paycheck, not like we're going to wake up and create our day. But that's what is possible for us.
1: Uh, and so we've talked a lot of big ideas um, and you've given some good actionable advice. But, you know, I, I think one of those points of believing that you're a creator, be, believing that you have this power and then moving into your workday is is an important point. And I like hacks. Do you yeah. have a hack or a little shortcut that you use to, to when you're out of the moment, when you're when you're like, oh, and, and the world's controlling you, to
0: start controlling the world, controlling your mindset again? Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of them. Um, I think the biggest thing is that I notice I notice how I'm feeling, and when I don't feel good, I notice the thought behind it. And then I asked myself, how could the opposite be true? Because you know this is the funny thing about what we believe. Um, you You can believe whatever you want the The only difference between what you believe is is uh, is is what the outcome is going to be. so you know I, I had I was invited to do a speech the other day in an environment that was new for me, and I started to feel anxious about it and so I noticed the anxiety, and then I had this thought, which was, um, I, I might not do it well." and so my question was. How could it be true that I might rock this speech out? And the brain is like a search engine. So if you ask it a question, it will find the answers for you. So it started giving me all of the reasons why I would do a phenomenal job at the speech. But the problem is, is most of the time we're asking ourselves really shitty questions at a subconscious level, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like you know, uh, how 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 am I going to do this, right? How am I going to do this presupposes that you're not going to do it. So the brain says, well, here are all the reasons you're not going to do it. So I notice how I feel. I notice the question behind it. And then I flip it around and I say, how could just the opposite be true? I love that. What that's a great one because noticing your feelings is
1: important. But now, how you know what through meditation, um, you know, I, I notice and accept them and release them. But having that little flip and saying, how can the opposite be true is, is a great, amazing hack?
0: And, and people work differently. I and like some people are more aware of their thoughts. Some people are more aware of their feelings. Yep. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter. The feeling always guides you back to the thought because we know that every time you have a thought, the brain produces chemicals in the body that you, you experience the thought. You feel the thought. So if you don't feel good, you know you've got a limiting thought behind it. Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. David, it's been
1: awesome having you. Um, uh is his website. He has tons of great resources uh, and does live events if you're lucky enough to – Find one of them that's near you or travel with one. I know they've been life changing for a lot of people. And David, it's always awesome to have you as a guest. I'm going to have you on lots because you're down with the road. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, um, I just have a few more questions for you. They're Go some, for s- it. Simple questions. What? Right now, what's the book that's influencing you the most
0: right now? Um, so I, I just finished reading The Power of Decision by Raymond Charles Barker. He wrote the book in the early 1960s. And um, if I had to sum down the most important thing in everything that we've talked about right now, it's be conscious of your decisions and make decisions that serve you, right? About yourself, which is your identity, about life, about people, about business, about money, about relationships. You know, your decisions drive everything. And this book, The Power of Decision, just, uh, it just really helps solidify a lot of the things I've been studying over the last 10 years, and I highly recommend it.
1: Awesome. And you said a few quotes, uh, but, uh, what, what's the quote that you think you, you re- reiterate to yourself the most? What's your most powerful quote? But-
0: well, um, it, it's a long one, right? Uh, <laughs> but there's, there's a quote from the Scottish Himalayan expedition. Um, and it's really an incredible quote and it, it, I'll, I might have to cut it down a little bit, but it basically says until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back always in effectiveness and concerning all acts of initiative and creation. There is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then God moves too. a whole stream of events, issues from the decision. Raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance, which no man could have dreamt would come his way. And I just, I just think it's, it's so beautifully put and it's so accurate. And And again, as human beings, we tend to live in this hesitancy of not wanting to make the wrong decision. But the second you get committed to a decision, everything else unfolds. Love that. Love and it was it. probably the longest one that anyone's ever given you on the show.
1: <laughs> I uh, it, it's, it's up there. I think, it I think Ryan Dice might have given me a longer one, but uh, uh, he likes to talk. No, <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> uh, um, so, and David, um, one last qu- uh, question from you. What mindset are you personally working on right now?
0: I'm really focused on um, living in a beautiful state. It was something that I recently got from Tony Robbins. No matter what happens in my external environment, uh, I'm really focused on uh, interpreting it as something that feels good and getting to a place where I no longer allow my uh, external world to dictate how I feel, but consistently generating the feelings from within me because I know that then my external reality will reflect that back to me. Wow. And we've forgotten that, right? I mean, if you go and you look at all the wise men of old, whether it was philosophers or sages or spiritual teachers or, or even, you know, emperors and, and, and industrial businessmen, they all agreed on one thing. And that was that your internal world created your external reality. And somewhere around the agricultural era, we got it backwards. I think as we started building so many things and, and, and we started living in a material world, we started allowing our external circumstances to affect our internal consciousness. And so we've gotten in this negative feedback loop. So I'm really focused on getting back to, uh, to controlling the way I feel on a moment by moment basis all the time.
1: That's fantastic. And it's so important for people to realize. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great way to finish up. David Baer, thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate it.
0: I, and you rock, man. It's an absolute pleasure. And I'm so proud of you and everything that you're doing and and the, and the great work you're doing on so many levels for people. I mean, just in case anybody doesn't know, I mean, the experience my team had with you two weeks ago going through our storyboarding session, and it was one of the best experiences we've gone through from a marketing standpoint. So thank you.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you. That really made my day. I appreciate that compliment. You're um, welcome. We, we, it's it's great not to kiss butt, but when we work with great people, which most of our clients are, ninety-nine point nine percent of them, um, you know, it, it's easy to do great work. As awesome. you know, thank you, brother David. Thanks a lot. You ha- you have a great day. And uh, this has been Iron Garlic, Dow of Inbound. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.